14. Here's the pitch by Downing. Swinging. There's a drive into left center field. That ball is going to be out of here. It's gone. It's 7-15. There's a new home run champion of all time. And it's Henry From the Tanglewood Studios on the Skynet Global Network, this is Go6 Sports Radio. So welcome to the show. I'm your host, Scott Wasslager. Go 6 Sports Radio, your commercial-free sports radio. Uh, we have a really good show for you today. Really excited about it. Uh, We're going to have a conversation with a professional baseball player who got called up to the show and will tell us in detail how that all unfolded. We have a health and nutrition reporter that is going to start with us this week. So um, each week or every other week or occasionally we'll have some health and nutrition information to provide for you. And uh, talking about the NFL a little bit before we get into all this. But the NFL, I believe, will play in September for absolute sure. Uh, I used to think they wouldn't play at all because it was too close contact. But I think that once these states start opening up, uh, I think things are going to become lax. And I think that that's probably bad. But I think there's going to be a relaxed attitude towards the opening up of certain things. And I think what we might find is that football is such a big revenue sport and there's going to be less risk involved than we think. I think you might even see fans sooner than later. But I think the NFL, from what I hear and what people say, is going gonna, is gonna to start in September, um, maybe delayed a little bit, but um, I think we're going to see it. I originally thought that 22 players so cl- in such close proximity to each other was going to be a problem. Um, I still think that could be a problem, but if they're testing and doing temperatures and things like that, and especially in an age group where this virus is not extremely prevalent, I think you're going to see sports get back to closer to normal in general sooner than later. So can't wait for the NFL to start. was just reading that many are predicting Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills is going to be a front runner for the MVP. And I think that that's very possible. Uh, The Bills are going to be pretty good. He's got some good weapons around him. They have to protect him. When they don't protect him, he's very mobile, strong, getting better and better got playoff experience so should be interesting I'll take him Josh Allen I'll take him uh betting on him for the MVP why not uh anyway that's about the NFL a little bit about the NFL when we come back conversation with Ryan Court and his experience playing professional baseball and getting called up to the show last summer we'll be right back Welcome back to the Go 6 podcast, Go 6 Sports Radio. 
I am pleased to have a friend, family friend, and uh, professional ball player Ryan Court with us today. He was drafted back in 2011 by the Arizona Diamondbacks and has played with in the Red Sox organization, the Cubs organization, Seattle, and now with the A's. And um, just thought it'd be great to get him on and and pick his brain about a few things and ask him a few questions that probably um, many of you guys listening out there would like to hear. So, Rye, thanks for being on with us, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, Really looking forward to this. So, uh, 2011, you get drafted by the Diamondbacks um, out of Illinois State. So, an Illinois kid grew up in Illinois. I went to high school there. Um, And I remember seeing you and like first time I saw you was, I think, 2009 or 10. And I'm sure you don't remember, but it was Mankato, Minnesota, the Mankato. You were playing against the Mankato Moondogs in the Northwoods League for the um, Thunder Bay Border Cats. And uh, matter of fact, I think I was sitting like right near your parents and met your parents that day. Um, But... uh, but I remember watching you and I remember my son Tyler telling me about you and you looked then like a pro and you may have heard this from other people, but you, you just carried yourself like a pro guy. I mean, and I'm sure, um, people may have said it before to you, but you know, you had size, you had the athletic ability, those kinds of things, but just the way you wore your uniform, just the way you walked around, you looked like a pro. Um, at what time, during your career was it high school was it little league was it college what time were you like was a tipping point where you're like wow i think i could really play pro baseball i can compete at that level you know it had always been a dream um you know as as most of us it starts as kids right and i still have uh, my mom still has it like i was five years old and says what do you want to be when you're you know when you grow up and i said of course major league baseball player but that had always been the dream but i think it wasn't until you know that summer where i played with with tyler in the northwoods league where you're playing against some of the best players in the country that kind of was like the aha oh my gosh i can do this and um i would say that that transpired into the excitement of getting drafted and then Honestly, it wasn't until, and this sounds ridiculous, but it wasn't until I played in the Dominican Winter League against big league players that I realized at that point that I could play in the big leagues. So yeah, it sure. took me it took me about, you know, six, seven years of pro baseball to get to that point. Um, and I know that uh, I'm, I'm sure you, you talk about this with, with your players as well, just like it's so much about the mental side as well. You know, you, you said that I looked the part, but I didn't always believe I was the part. And that took, yeah. me, a, that took me a long time to realize that, you know, it's, it's, it's a big deal to believe that you can play at a certain level, even if you aren't the most athletic player on the team or what have you, but it, it's a big time belief that you need to, you need to have full confidence in yourself. So yeah, it was, very, yeah, you know, 
Very interesting um, because, you know, you talk to some people and some people say, well, you know, I knew when I was in high school, I could compete with these guys or, you know, I know, you know, in college, I faced a guy throwing, you know, 95 and I got, you know, barrel three balls off him and that's when I knew. But uh, that's really interesting and insightful that um, you actually got drafted and played pro ball for several years and still, you know, had those doubts in the back of your mind. And it also is a testament to the like you said, the mental side of the game, um, yeah. which, you know, when I was growing up playing division one baseball, I had no idea, you know, about anything to do with the mental side and, you know, wish I did, but, um, now it's such a big part of the game. Well, and so I you think, get, I go think ahead. It's, it's a, it's people kind of look at the stigma of like, the, you know, mental side of the game. And it's like, ha, oh, you know, here we go again, but it's, it's not, it's not as much that as it's, the the understanding of how your emotions can affect your sport or your life you know and that's and that was kind of it you know i i guess it goes back to i was a walk-on in college you know i was a fifth year senior draft um i had been released twice by two different teams um and it just it kind of was like that constant doubt in myself where it's like i just never believed i could play and it sounds ridiculous but it was like you know you I've been released. I've been cut. Like it was not the fact that I wanted to keep going, but it was the, it was the one thing holding me back from getting there. And, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't regret any of my, you know, minor league experience playing, you know, nine years in the minor leagues or what have you. But like, I feel like it could have been shortened down if I just had those keys to understand how to be the best me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, some of those things, you know, we hear these things a lot. I was talking about it in a podcast recently is we've heard all our lives, right? Hey, control the controllables, do this, do that. But those things are easier said than done. And controlling the controllables, for example, is how do I exactly do that? And those are the techniques that sometimes you learn from these mental performance guys, or you just get better in touch with yourself mm -hmm. and those things. Um, so speaking of that, you, you play at various levels, like you said, the Dominican minor leagues, um, right here in Portland, Maine, we had you for, for a summer, um, during that time, of course, you know, it probably goes without saying you have supportive family and friends, but share with me a time where maybe someone said something to you, a teammate, maybe it wasn't even a deliberate remark, but something that, you know, someone inferred or suggested, Hey, you know what, maybe you should just go get a real job. And you know, uh, what do you think about that? Tell me there had to be a time like that or, or a comment that someone, like I said, didn't even maybe deliberately make, but it, but it affected you. Oh yeah. I remember it. Like I remember it very clearly. Actually, it was actually around Christmas time. Um, and I won't say who, but it was a family member and they weren't meaning it maliciously. It was just, we haven't seen each other in a while, you know, you're meeting up and, it was like, Hey, Oh, you're still playing. It's like, well, how long do you plan on doing this for? You know, like, can you actually support yourself? Like when, when is it time to get a real job? And right, right. I, I just remember being like so angry at that. And you know, like I said, they were not meaning it bad whatsoever. It was just, it was more of like a misunderstanding in their eyes of what professional baseball is. It's like, well, if you're not in the big leagues, like, what, what do you, like, how long are you going to keep messing around with this? And, uh, I just remember hearing that and being like, I, I don't know where I went from there, but it was more of a, 
some people don't understand the grind of the minor leagues and a lot of us go through this and, you know, well, I guess everyone does before you get to the big leagues, you go through the minor leagues. And, um, it was one of those where it was like, man, just the disrespect in that comment where it's like, you don't even understand how, how hard I work for this. And, uh, I won't stop until I, until I get to that goal. Yeah. And it's like, it's like almost anything that we do, right. Um, that we really, uh, whether it's, it's, you know, playing a sport, um, trying to, achieve a goal. Uh, and when someone says that sometimes, and again, like you said, and it's happened to me before, people don't mean much by it, but it's, it comes off as, you know, disrespectful. They, they have no idea, no idea what you're going through, what it takes and, and what your, your goals are. And those, those kinds of things, um, sometimes, you know, they, they upset you for a little bit, or like you said, you get angry and then you, you kind of move on and you use it as motivation. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, you know, I think it happens in a lot of cases because people, they just can't, they can't relate. They can't relate to what they, some people might not relate to me doing a podcast, you know, right. and, um, you know, and you just kind of, kind of move along, but those kinds of, those kinds of things are interesting because I know there's athletes out there that say, Oh no, no, nobody ever doubted me. You know, I never got that, you know, and, and I know that that's not true and it happens all the time. Yeah. And I Tell think, it go well, I think it goes go back ahead. to your, your, you know, the people listening to this as well. Like you don't, you don't ever truly understand what someone else is going through. You know, when, when they asked me that question, first off, like I was living my dream. I was playing professional baseball. So like I'll play as long as I want. I don't care if, you know, minor leagues, I'm, you're making $7,000 a year or whatever. It's like, I'm doing what I love. So first of all, like don't, don't disrespect my like goals, views on life, my enjoyment. And uh, second of all, like you, you just don't, maybe I was having a really hard time and it was like one of those things and you're just adding fuel to the fire. You know, I'm getting pressure from other people or, where are you going from here? What's next? Yada, yada. So I just think that in, in all aspects, sports or outside of sports, like you never know what someone's going through. You know, you don't know what they're dealing with. Um, they might be living the greatest life, you know, making no money or it doesn't even have to do with money. But like just just always respect that that other people are going through a challenging life as we all are. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know? it's definitely something to measure. You sort of need to measure your your comments before you make them. And sometimes, you know, question, and sometimes like, like we just said, it's sometimes it's, it's not intentional, but it's it, for sure. Gotta be, people have to be careful about that. Um, best and worst part of minor league baseball. So I guess in the different, uh, major league organizations you were part of, tell me what the best part is about minor league baseball and the worst part. I'd say by far the best part of minor league baseball is traveling the country. Um, I've been, I mean, I've been almost everywhere and I think minor league baseball has provided me that opportunity to, to travel the country, to see different areas that I, I probably would have never seen. You know, like you said, I played in double A with Boston, Portland, Maine, and then I was in, you know, shoot mobile Alabama with the diamondbacks and then where double A or triple A with the Cubs was in Iowa. And then I was in Tacoma, Washington. So I've literally been you know, to each end of the country playing minor league baseball. And of course, you know, another answer with minor league baseball is just the baseball in general is being around the guys. And that's like the biggest thing 
with any level of baseball that especially right now with what we're going through um, that I miss the most is just being around the guys, being in the clubhouse, telling jokes, having conversations, all that stuff. So um, yeah, sure. wor- worst part, um, honestly, I thought the worst part was, and you know, the easy answer is the pay minor league pay is, is very tough. Um, it's hard to support your family. It's hard to, it's hard to live you know, it's minimum wage. So, um, and then, so that's the easy answer, but I would say the, the, the other hard part is the travel. And that wasn't until I got to AAA and you have, and I know, I know people don't truly understand this, but we're flying out at 5 AM after a, you know, night game, you get done at, let's say 10 30, 11, you're winding down, you're in bed by 12, 11 30, maybe. And then you have a 3 AM wake up call to go to the airport and then a 5 a.m. flight to the next city, which, you know, you, you don't know if you have a direct flight or layovers and you end up getting in there around noontime. And then you're at the ballpark at 3 p.m. to play a seven o'clock game. So it becomes exhausting. And um, that that was a very hard thing um, about minor league baseball is that travel. Very tough. Yeah. And I'd assume it, with that kind of a schedule, um, the guys who are putting in the effort with regard to sleep and nutrition and exercise are getting an edge over the guys who maybe aren't taking that as seriously as the actual baseball. I would agree with that. And I'd also say you see a pretty clear, you know, you have younger guys, um, very talented players, prospects who are up at the higher levels at a young age who can bounce back from those sleepless nights fairly easy. Um, but the older guys, you know, um, you have to adapt and you have to change the way you sleep, eat, take care of yourself, whether you're drinking caffeine at night, that kind of thing. Because otherwise, I mean, you're going to break down and you're going to end up getting hurt, which a lot of people will do. I mean, you know, you're flying, yeah. you're dehydrated. You are the night before. If you drink some alcohol, you're dehydrated. Like those kind of things like, can really affect your play without even being conscious of it. Yeah, they add up. They add oh, up yeah. for sure. Big time. Yeah. Long season. Yeah. So um, so as we said, you, you've you been through the grind. You've been through a lot of different levels, Portland, Maine, you, like you said, Iowa. Um, and so finally, uh, July 26th, I think it was, I think that's the date, the exact date, um, you get, you're in, where are you when you get the call? Were you in Tacoma when no, you get the in, call? I was in Reno, Nevada. Okay, so you're on the road somewhere in Reno, and I've been and and you get promoted to the show. Okay, um, t- I've been dying to ask you this for a while. Like, take me through that like detail, like behind the scenes. Like, how does this happen? I mean, we've seen we've you know we've seen highlights on. Sports center, or whatever, where you know, a coach tells a guy, and that's really cool, and everything. And I'm sure it happens similarly. But give me the give me the behind the scenes of how that how that unfolds. <laughs> well, the behind the scenes, it, it, the cool part about everything was that we were in Reno, and Reno is the Diamondbacks AAA affiliate, who was the team that drafted me. Where you so, started, yeah, yeah. So that was like, I'll, well, I'll start at the beginning. So we had been playing the game. I had been swinging the bat well lately. Um, was feeling good and it got to be like the sixth or seventh inning. And I don't even know if this is true to be honest, but I haven't asked our manager. 
Um, but I saw, I was playing third base and I saw him in the dugout, like checking his phone or answering a phone call. I couldn't tell, but that happens a lot in AAA. You know, when guys get called, they have to have their phones on them because when, when transactions happen, you have to be, whether you take the guy out of the game or things like that. So it was very uncommon because obviously your manager is never on his cell phone, you know? And I saw him kind of look and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Like, you know? Hmm, wonder if there's going to be some moves making. So I kind of like had it feeling that something was happening, not, not that it was happening to myself, but just something was off and um, played the rest of the game. And then when we got into the clubhouse, they said, Hey, you know, Skip wants to see you and not to ruin the surprise, but I, at that point was like, you know, Oh crap. Like I'm going to the show. Like this is, this is it. Like I know. Yeah. It. Yeah. So it was cool, and I walk in there, and um, our hitting coach and are like you about to like you, like are you about to like, you know, this is a clean podcast, but you are like about to like poop your pants. Like, what are you at that? Oh. Like, you think it's you? You think it's you? So um, I think I think I was just like so in the moment that I I was like not trying to become too emotional because I didn't want to like go in there think that I'm going to the big leagues and then have it be like, hey man, we you've been, you've played five games straight. We're going to give you the day off tomorrow. You know what I mean? Right, and then I right, walk out right, of there and right. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> right, so right. I was walking in there pretty calm, but our hitting coach, Roy Howell, um, who is on, he was like a father figure to me in, in AAA this past year, just the greatest support system. Unbelievable guy. I could talk about him forever. And, um, and just was like, kind of had that like smile, like on his face and took me in there and, all the coaching staff, the entire coaching staff was sitting there. So that's where I was kind of like, you know, I got the shakes and they said, Hey, um, um, you know, one of the guys we had, Tim Lopes had just gotten called up and like two days ago and had found out that in his first game, he had got hit in the head by a pitch and he's fine. Now everything is okay. And ended up having a great rest of the season, but had gotten hit in the face and I got in there and he was like, hey, I don't know if you heard about Timmy, but he got hit in the head by a pitch and uh, Seattle's going to need a guy and you're going to be that guy. So wow. it was one of those where I'm like, fine. It was it was like a feeling of relief. I know a lot of people have like so much excitement, overwhelmed, like, you know, guys are surprised by it or just couldn't can't get over it. I was like, yes, finally, like we did it. Like we're there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was like a. I've been waiting for this for seven years. And yeah. so the cool part is did that gave all the hugs, to all the coaches, but at the same time I was in a new locker room, fairly new locker room. You know, I had just signed with Seattle in May. I'd been there um, three weeks and I had a oblique strain that put me on the shelf for six weeks. So I had only played about a month of baseball in Tacoma after being, you know, in a month and I, and for the, fans listening I, in spring training i'd been released by the cubs and then i'd head down to sugarland and actually played in the independent league with sugarland skeeters and then it signed with seattle uh in the middle of may so right, right so i had been there for about a month so i'm coming out of the coach's room and i don't want to be this arrogant a-hole being like i'm going to the show you know because i don't really know right. these guys i know them but i don't like know them, know them, you know? And sure, sure, so I'm yeah. trying to be like, you know, I walk in there, but I have a, you know, huge smile on my face. And one of the guys like, what's going on? I'm like, Hey, I'm like, I'm going to the big leagues. And he was like, dude, you know, it started yelling. Like you're going to the big, he's going to the big leagues. Like, 
and, you know, and I gave hugs to everyone, but it was, it was a different feel than maybe if I was with my best buddies, you know, I would have came in sure, sure. and hugging everybody, but I wanted to be humble, <laughs> you know? And there yeah. was also guys that had been in the big leagues who were in that as all triple A teams. Um, you have guys that had been in the big leagues already. So I didn't want to like rub it in anyone's face who maybe thought they should have deserved it. Cause you know, you all want to, you all want to go up obviously, but Anyways, got out of the locker room, and the coolest part about the whole thing was that the staff for Reno was all um, the, the the manager, the hitting coach, and the pitching coach. I had my first season in um, rookie ball or uh, A ball with the Diamondbacks. So they were all oh, sitting that's... there and were like super emotional, you know, had tears in their eyes, kind of running down their face. And that was when I broke. That was the first time I broke down and just started yeah. crying. Yeah, how like, great is that? That it was the Diamondbacks guys, uh, you know, that you were you were you were with at the time. Yeah, that was the coolest part for sure. And giving them all hugs, them saying everything, and then you know you have that locker room full of guys that I played with when I was first drafted in 2011. Now this is nine years later, so a lot of the guys have gone to different organizations and what have you. But they were all there waiting, and um, it was very cool. It was like the perfect gosh it was so great just to have you know both teams basically having support for you um going up so that was the that was the moment and then obviously went outside and called a girlfriend called my parents and called my best friends it was super late um so a lot of hey dude dude wait i gotta stop you do do you call the girlfriend first before the parents or do you call the parents first it's just i mean if if you want to keep it on the down low, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> no, I did end up calling Rachel first, and then I called my parents. Um, there you go. Because I go. knew, I knew. Um, this is funny, but uh, I knew my parents would answer my call in the middle of the night. I didn't know if Rachel would be would hear the phone ring or would still be sleeping. Yeah. So she had work. So I was trying. I called her a bunch of times before she answered because I knew obviously her and my parents were going to have to get on a flight seven a.m. So. Yeah, um, yeah. Had to make sure I could get a hold of everyone, but yeah, called called Rachel. She couldn't believe it. It was one of the you know you get a call in the middle of the night. Same thing with my parents, and it's like, wait, what? What's going? What yeah, you, what, you know, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Aren't you in Reno? Yeah, what do yeah. you mean go to Seattle? So, yeah, That's it was cool. That's yeah, incredible. Cool. Yeah. So so now so there's there's a there's there's a moment, um, and I'm guessing it's either. After you make these phone calls, uh, you're getting dressed, maybe a quiet moment in your locker or a quiet moment like you're sitting on the bus before you before you take off somewhere or or in the airport or whatever. Or or maybe it's when you get to Seattle, but there's a quiet moment somewhere where you get this flood of emotions when you're alone. And what kind of things are you thinking? What kind of things or people are you thinking about then? Like a little league coach, your dad. Um, you know, what kind of, who, who are you thinking about during that quiet moment? What kind of memories are flooding into your head? I think the, so when it happened and I'm standing on the field in Reno, I remember like just staring in the sky and just being like, like, thank you, God. Like it's, it's time. Like the struggle, it's time. Like it's, it's finally that moment. And then you have a, and this is where we talk about the mental side as well. But I had that like, am I ready? Can I play at that level? Like, yeah, that slight I'm bit going, of doubt. Yeah, yeah. Which, which 
it's it stinks right like you have it now i'm sure not everyone has it but like i was just like oh man like like you're doing this you're going up like this is you got to be ready and so like that was like a brief moment but then it's like all right no it's the same game and then it wasn't until because and i'm sure you know like when all this happens, it happens so fast. So it's like, you get called up. It's like, all right, go pack at the hotel. Your flight's at 6 a.m. tomorrow. You're going to land in Tacoma, go to the field, pack up your stuff, go to you know Seattle. And Tacoma and Seattle are about 30, 40 minutes apart. So it's a long day, you know, like you're, you can't sleep at night. You wake up early, you're dri- you fly to the field, you're driving, yada, yada. But it wasn't until... I hadn't had like a good cry <clears throat> until I pulled in, in the stadium in Seattle and T-Mobile. You have to cross a big bridge that goes across both the highways to get to the ballpark. It's it's fantastic. Okay. Like it, when you're going over the 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 part or the bridge, it's just like the most spectacular thing. You know, this huge stadium in front of you. And I was crossing the bridge, and I just remember thinking, like, that's my clubhouse. Like that's my field now. And it was just like, just the most overwhelming flood of emotions just could not stop crying. Like you dream about this and now it's like, Hey, that's where do you work? Oh, I work at that huge stadium right in the middle of the city. Like that's my field, you know? Yeah. Amazing. It was amazing. Like it was just the most, the purest form of joy that I can remember. Just uncontrollable, just like, you know, you can't think about anything else, but you're just completely engulfed in the moment. So, that was that moment. Yeah. And we, we talk about that sometimes happiness versus joy. Happiness is something that's sort of created and joy is something that's completely organic, euphoric, spontaneous. And, um, that is an amazing example of like just pure joy. Um, when you're going over that bridge and you see that stadium and it's, and it's funny that you mention the, human nature part of us that creeps in because as much as when we have success, whether it's winning a game as a player, coaching a game like me or whatever, um, and you have some great achievement, it's just amazing how your brain, your human nature, even if it's a little bit of doubt still wants to creep in and ruin it for you. You know, like you said, you were like, can I really do this? Like, and and the answer is, of course, you could do it because there's a, a million people along the way who evaluated you over the course of all these years that, you know, nobody can argue you can do it. But it's just funny how human nature and how that how that creeps in a little bit. And, and we're always fighting that no matter what. I'm sure the players who have been in the big leagues for 20 years and Hall of Famers still have that kind of little doubt every now and then. Um so that's really interesting and uh, and and great information. Um, well, so and, and go ahead. Let me add to that too. So it's funny because when I was waiting for my flight, um, when I was in Iowa in 2018, Chris Coglin, um, who many of you might know from being Rookie of the Year with the A's, and then you know he played, or I'm sorry, with the Marlins, and then played with the Cubs, won a World Series yeah. with the, you know, it's been around. Did the famous dive over Yadi Molina to land on home plate. At home sure to avoid the collision anyways i he was like a mentor to me in triple a and you know um just was unbelievable guy um really was there to to provide and help for the teammates and as kind of his last hoorah and anyways i called him and was just like man like 
I'm, I'm scared. Like I'm nervous. I don't want to fail. Like I've waited my whole life for this and now I'm going up and like, how do I make the best of this? And, and I asked him, I go, you know, my first at bat, like, should I take a pitch to kind of like call my nerves? And I just remember him being like, sure. Cordy, yeah. Cordy, you've waited nine years for this. He's like, you're not taking the first pitch. Like, <laughs> you know, if it's a strike, you're not taking here. You've waited nine years for this at bat. Swing away, buddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Good hilarious. advice. Yeah. Great Good advice. advice. Because I probably would have thought the same thing. Like, yeah, maybe I should just take a pitch. Like, you know, yeah, calm relax nerve, myself maybe a little bit. Yeah. But... Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy the first pitch, you know, because maybe I last two pitches or, you know, maybe I last more. Yeah. Um, well, my first at oh, lasted one pitch. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, what's, what's, you know, what's cool, of course, um, um, you sh- I'm sure you've heard it from, you know, a bunch of people, but you know, it was, it was amazing to see you like, it's like, yeah, we know that guy, like, you know, he was sitting on my back porch in Maine one day and we were talking and I, I saw him playing the minor leagues and, and he's friends with, uh, you know, our family and, and, uh, it was, it was really, you know, just incredibly cool. And I think I've heard players say, you know, this kind of success, you know, whether it's getting to the show, whether it's, you know, having success at any level, um, they enjoy the idea that other people like their family members or their friends are enjoying it. They, they like that part of it too. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, so, uh, the calendar turns to August and I think it was the, was it the ninth, August 9th, um, you hit a home run, you hit your first home run in the big leagues against Tampa Bay. Um, I'd like to know, tell me how that at bat, take me through that at bat from like a, you know, from a pitch standpoint. Um, okay. So I, I had gotten a start that day and was feeling pretty good. Um, and let's say you already, you had already gotten your first hit, right? Yeah. I got my first hit July 27th. So the next day I got my my first hit. Um, and, and I think it's pretty cool. My, my first AB, um, <laughs> for the listeners was a ninth inning pinch hit tie ball game men on first and second with one out. So it was a high adrenaline moment for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and, absolutely. Well, and shoot, this is a good, I'll take you through it. It's a good story at least. Um, so they had told me that I was going to pinch hit set. I was going to be the second pinch hitter this inning. And what I, you know, like, like we talked about, my emotions were running high. I hadn't had much sleep. So in my mind, I was thinking like, you'll be the second guy to pinch hit. Like you'll be, you'll be after whoever pinch hits first, but they were saying like, no, you're going to be the second pinch hitter of the inning. So like the guy pinch hit and I'm kind of like staying ready, but I'm like, they're not going to pinch hit again. Right. Like that, it won't happen until the next time through the lineup. And so I'm just staying ready, but I'm hitting in the cages and, but I don't have my batting gloves on. I don't, I'm not like ready. And Manny Acta comes up. He's like, Cordy, like you're hitting, like you're up next. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God. Like, wow. Like idiot Ryan. So I'm struggling. And you can see in the, if you watch the video, like I'm walking to the, from the batter's box, like onto the batter's box as the, they intentionally walk the hitter, like putting my batting gloves on, you know, like clearly wow. not re- ready. Um, but then their pitching coach came out to, I guess, essentially ice me or whatever, talk to their pitcher. And uh, so it gave me time to kind of like put my stuff on, you know, get ready. 
But then at the same time, my adrenaline hype is building now in my mind, right? Like first and second, like winning run, baby. Like this is what you dream for. Like this yeah, is literally, yeah. this is literally the dream, you know, bases loaded bottom of the ninth. And, um, well then they put on the jumbotron major league debut for Ryan court. So oh, now the entire 40,000 people, it's a standing ovation and they're wow, clapping. Wow. Yeah, it was so cool. And so, and I start getting super emotional walking up to the plate. So now this is my second super emotional moment in the last six hours where I'm just like, dude, you got, you're about to hit, like get yourself under control, you know? Cause it's, yeah, yeah. It's the most perfect moment of bliss. I'm up in the ninth inning runners in scoring position can win the game. You have a standing ovation cheering for you. So happy that this is your major league debut. Right. And right. It was just like, it was just the most overpowering moment. I don't know. I can't, I can't even put it to words, but get up there. And then when I got in the box, as I'm sure you've heard from guys who have been in the big leagues, like it was all the same game. Like I got in the box and I was just like, wow, this is just no different. I was expecting yeah, it to yeah. feel completely different, but it was like, all right, this is baseball. Like, right. I, right. Have, I have a better batter's eye behind me with better lights and a whiter baseball. Like, this is great. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, I swung at the first pitch. I lined out to left. It was, I smoked it, but it was like, it was just one of those moments where it was just the cool, the coolest thing. Um, yeah, but then I'll take it. So then the home run, um, I was facing Emilio Pagan, who's one of the better closers in the game. And he was just blowing fastballs by me. And I had swung through the first two strikes, um, fastballs, like middle in great pitches. Um, but it, he's just so deceiving. That's why he's so good at what he does and throws very hard. And I just remember thinking I got to two strikes and I'm like, you cannot be late on a fastball again. Like if he throws a breaking ball in the dirt, it's a breaking ball in the dirt, but you cannot be late on the fastball. Um, and ended up just making good contact and it was a low line drive to right field. So, so still I was, I wasn't early. I was still late. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was just a low liner and I, I, I had thought it was going to hit the wall. So I was busting my butt and it's probably the fastest home run jog I've ever had in my life, but you know, snuck out of there and I just kept that sprint going the whole way around the bases. But wow. Yeah. That's... It was one. Yeah. It was a cool moment. Yeah, that's amazing, especially since you probably didn't think, like you said, you didn't think it was getting out. But, you know, against a guy like that, and those things are particularly, those things are particularly satisfying when you, you know, of course, I'm overstating the obvious, but particularly satisfying when you do it against um, really great competition. You know, whether it's an individual feat like that or whether it's your coach in a team or playing on a team that beats a really good team, those things are are really satisfying. So yeah, that was exciting. Um, yeah. we remember that and that was, that was really great. Um, so tell us one thing, um, tell us one thing that we, you know, listeners of, of this podcast would be surprised at, like something about playing in the minor leagues or even in the major, in, in the time you were in the major leagues that we'd be surprised at or something that, Hey, you know what? Everybody thinks this is great, but it's not quite what it's cracked up to be. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is the, well, you know, we kind of touched on it before, but the mental battle of, I don't think people 
outside of the game can fully, unless you, you know are heavily involved in, in the game, but if you are just a bystander or fan, like how much it means to the players, especially rookies, you know, that who make it that level, but then the wanting to stay there, you know, the, okay, this is great, but like, how do I stay? And that is like the builded pressure, which I, I, I'm not advising you to think that way. I'm, I'm, I'm advising to be in the moment and just enjoy the game and don't, you know, like enjoy the challenges, better yourself, but don't be so wrapped up in how do I stay here? Um, how do I, you know, that kind of thing. Like it's, it's just a, that's, I don't have any regrets of my time, but the only minor quote unquote regret is just, I wish I had been just confident in that. Hey man, you worked here, you got here. And now like, let's just go. Like, there's no reason to worry about anything else. Like let's enjoy this. Let's play the game hard. Yada, yada. Um, but then another thing that kind of segues into my mind is it's very difficult to block out some of the comments in which fans say to you when you're on the field. Ah. I know. Yeah. And that was kind of one of those where you block it out, you get used to it, you know, as we all do from hecklers. But when I was in Chicago, I was playing left field at Wrigley, which was, you know, childhood dream, coolest thing that's ever happened, get to play in Wrigley field. And they were ruthless to me and I couldn't (laughs) believe it. I'm like, I'm from hometown guy. I'm one of you. I used to sit up in those bleachers and, you know, and watch the game. But like, yeah, yeah. You know, can't you see on the board? It says I'm from Illinois. Like I, I was with your organization this spring. <laughs> like, yeah, but. that that that's amazing because and I think that's a good one that you say, um, you know, when I asked you what, what would be surprising is because I we hear about that. Of course, we hear about it. We've been in stadiums where fans are heckling players or whatever. But um I think it's surprising because I think that fans sometimes think, well, it's, it's not that big a deal. And these guys laugh about it. And, and, and I'm sure there's 90% of the time guys do laugh about it. And it's no big deal, but um, it's funny because you're not the first player who's told me, you know, some, some things that the fans were saying really were, you know, it, uh, it was on my mind, you know, it yeah, got to I wouldn't me a little say bit. It was, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't say it was like, as much messing with my game, but it was like, it was more, honestly, it was more of those, like, why are you guys saying this stuff? Like right, I'm a human right. being too. Like, are you kidding yeah, me? You yeah. know, like some of the comments where it was just like, you know, some are funny, but like some are just like terrible and you yeah, have kids yeah. in the stands and you have people like it, it just, I just couldn't believe the way sometimes people talk to, to other individuals. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's amazing to hear. That's a good one. That's a good yeah. one. Um, so uh, you get called to the show. You have great career. Um, a lot of great things happening. W- what's it like to see your name in MLB The Show, dude? The video game. Crazy. For people who don't know, I mean, that's got... So Owen, you know, my youngest son, who's a big Thanks. fan of yours... Um, is like, Hey dad, you know, courts in the show. And I go, yeah, no, I know he got no, and he goes, no, no, no. I mean, he's in MLB, the show 20. Um, that's gotta be cool. That was cool. I'm not a big, uh, I mean, I was when I was younger, but I haven't played much video games in the past, but that, uh, 
that caused me to buy a PS4. <laughs> yeah, there you <laughs> go. Video, yeah, you yeah. know, like I have the video game. It's one of those cool things that I'll have forever. But it's what it's in. It's is absolutely. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see the game, but it is insane yeah. what they're able to do with graphics. I mean, yeah, they it had is, me it, down to the T. Eye black, you know, some scruff on my face, arm sleeve, exactly how I wore it. I, I just absolutely blows my mind how they do that so well you you think about the i play the game and uh, i got it a couple months ago and i was a big madden guy so i was playing madden madden all the time i was like so i am still really into madden and um but you know owen played mlb the show and and was talking about it so much and i said i gotta get it and started playing it but you're absolutely right you look at these players and the detail with which they have their you know facial features and like you said the eye black and the arm sleeve the amount of time uh that must go into producing a game like this with this kind of graphics is just insane i mean someone uh, i know who plays it um you know quite a bit and is really good at it said you know one of the reasons and we did if, if you go back and listen ryan we did a um a podcast on mlb the show oh um, no way yeah several several podcasts ago um but um the you know one of the guys said um the just watching the game like playing it's fun but you know the graphics and everything are so good that if you just watch a game on it it's it's enjoyable because of the details and the graphics and all that good stuff yeah, but I um mean, blew my mind. yeah i had the same exact batting stance that i have right i have like a slightly closed batting stance uh-huh, i have the same uh-huh. stance i'm just it just like absolutely blows my mind away yeah so amazing so amazing and it's and it's and it's a lot of fun to play for for those who have the time so tell us um what's going on now with you what's what's next well i'm currently with uh oakland um and you know we're in that kind of weird time where yeah yeah we're just waiting to hear um i'm not on the roster anymore i'm not on the 40-man roster so i'm I'm waiting to hear if there is a season and if there is that season, if they're going to do a extended roster. Um, right. So if they extend the roster to, you know, however many guys I'm hoping to be a part of that. And with that hope, I've been training and working out as if it was getting ready for spring training. Um, with just a spring training that I don't know when it starts, but I'm just trying to keep, keep ready. And then I will figure out, you know, what's, what the next move is, whether I'm on it or whether I'm not on that extended roster. Yeah. And does, so let's say if you, if you do not play, if you do not have a season, how does that affect your body? Does it affect your body in a positive way you think, or are you at the point where you need the muscle memory stuff you need to be playing? Tell me about that. Um, you know, I, 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 this is a great question because I don't, and I've been asking with my uh, trainers and strength coach kind of what to do. You know, it, it's for fortunately for me, I played winter ball. So I was in the Dominican. I finished in January, but there's going to be some guys who don't play for 18 months, you know, and it's yeah. like, well, how do I stay ready for next spring training? And for me, my body felt, you know, when we first had the, the Corona and it was the first month or so, I, I kind of like took it easy and my body felt great but now as far as the baseball aspect goes it's like how do i stay sharp for a season that if it doesn't happen excuse me if it doesn't happen this year then it's going to happen 10 months from now so 
I think it's kind of a trial and error process. I'm, you know, I'm still hitting and doing everything normal right now, but if, if the season weren't to happen, I'm going to have to do some, I, I guess, self-discovery and figure out how I can stay sharp while, you know, the, the working out and the, that aspect will be fine. Um, you know, you can always keep your body in shape, but whether I'm training my eyes, um, you know, I'm a big fan of the eye training exercises with tennis balls and I have the strobe light that I try and catch balls in the dark. It's, you know, like things that'll, that'll help me in the game, but I, I don't know how a 10 month break works. I don't know if, yeah, if, yeah. if different countries will have like essentially summer, winter, fall leagues, you know, who knows? I, I don't sure. know, but it's a very, you know, that it's a time of unknown. I think we're all going through that and, and yeah. You know, I don't, yeah, I don't think I have a, a, a real answer, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, I think probably depending upon, you know, somebody's age, too, they might say, hey, a layoff helps my body, but but, but a too much of a layoff, and who knows how long the layoff will be, if, if that's going to, you know, turn into, yeah, it helps my body, but then, yeah, now it's, now it's not good because of the muscle memory and so, so many unknowns. So one last one for me before we let you go. Um, and this is awesome because this is maybe the longest interview we've done on this podcast, but it's yeah, been so, so, so interesting. Um, I think people really enjoy it. But one thing as you're talking about that uh, came to mind and I've seen you play, every, you know, all these different positions uh, mm-hmm. at, at the professional level. You know, you see kids sometimes, high school, even college, play you know, a couple of different positions. But you've played all these different positions, um, you know, first base, the outfield, third base, shortstop, second base. Uh, first question is, have you ever have in the, at the professional level, have they ever tried to make you catch? I have not, but I, I worked on it in college, um, hoping that it would like help my <laughs> draft stock. So I've caught yeah, yeah, yeah. a fall of my senior year of college, but that was it. Yeah, that's interesting that you even did that. So yeah. um, was that something that, you know, from Little League on up, you were always kind of open to playing different positions? It just happened kind of organically as time went along because you seemed to acclimate really good to all those positions. It, it definitely, uh, happened, those definitely happened organically. And I would say that the I didn't become a real utility player until my time with Boston. because So I was with the Diamondbacks. I was primarily a third and first baseman. And I had played third in college. Um, and defensively was my defense was my strength. Um, I could hit for average, but I was never a guy that was going to pop 30 home runs for you. Um, at that time I've worked hard on my swing. Now I feel like that's like, I could be that guy, but at the time it was like, Hey, I'll give you 10 home runs. I'll give you a decent average and, but I'll play the corner. So I didn't really have any value. And I got released by the Diamondbacks. I went to indie ball and I said, I'm only playing indie ball. I told the indie ball guy, um, my manager, I said, I'm only playing if you let me play second or shortstop so that I can show people that I can play other positions. Cause I was telling the, the Diamondbacks, I was, I was always asking like, Hey, can I play some shortstop or second base? Can you throw me in the outfield? And it was just like, ah, we like you at third and first. Cause you know, I was good defensively. I, I, I wouldn't be bad for a team if he threw me in the corners. Anyways, so I went to Indie Ball and was like, hey, I'm not playing unless you let me play shortstop or second base. And he said, all right, no problem. You'll be our second baseman. So I played second base that entire year and ended up doing really well and um, yada, yada. And Boston was like, hey, can you play shortstop? 
And I'm like, you know, obviously I'm not going to say no. This is an organization calling me. I'm like, heck yeah, I'll play shortstop. And I went to that Portland team, and that was the Portland team that had every prospect in America on that team. We had um, Benintendi. We had uh, Devers, Mankata, Dubon. um, Gosh, I think those are the four superstars. But we had a bunch of other guys. Anyways, so when I went there, they're like, hey, this is kind of be your role. Like, you'll play first base, but when these guys need a blow, you'll play those positions. And I'm like, heck, that sounds good to me. So I ended up playing pretty much every day, which was fine with me. You know, when those guys had a day off, I'd play second base for Yon. And then if Dubon needed a day off, I'd go play shortstop. So yeah, it ended up being that development into a super utility player. And then the next year, re-signed with Boston, they let me play a little bit of outfield, and I was playing only shortstop. And then signed with the Cubs and that was my first spring uh, big league spring training and I was in big league spring training playing shortstop and that kind of developed and I played good enough that that was like a crap like he can play all the positions and it was kind of a one of those things where you know you tell your coach you can do it but you don't you've never done it before but you're like heck give me a chance I'll 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 do it you know yeah sure absolutely yeah developed into that and same thing went to same thing with the Mariners started playing some outfield. And I mean, here's an interesting stat for you. My first ever game starting in right field was my major league debut. So that's funny. That's crazy, right? That first start day, the 27th, I started in right field and that was the first time I'd ever played right field in my life. Isn't that amazing? And it's funny because, um, you know, I, I, I of course think for younger players, it's, it's good to play different positions and be open and, and never say no. And, and coaches will appreciate even later a player who says, yeah, I can play third and they don't do, they don't maybe do so great there, but you know, I think good coaches will appreciate the willingness to want to help the team and want to want to be in the lineup and that kind of thing. And occasionally as a coach, you know, you'll have a parent or somebody say, well, you know, uh, really not happy because he's really a shortstop and you have him out in left field or whatever. And, you know, trust me, I've seen it happen a lot of times where, um, you know, these there, an opportunity comes up in a position that's not the primary position. So, um, that's really cool. And, and something I'm glad that we, uh, that came up and we talked about, well, well listen, and, man, and, and, well, as, go well, ahead. as you're saying, I don't want to interrupt you, but as you're saying that, I was thinking about how, when my, it, like, unfortunately you have to deal with, you know, parents telling you what you, telling you how to do your job. <laughs> but my dad had ran our travel team um, when I was in high school and middle school. And, you know, looking back at it now, I, I wonder if this played a big part in becoming a utility guy, but he was in a great way. He didn't want there to be any, he wanted everyone to be happy. And that was like sure. the point of travel ball as a young kid is everyone's out here None of us are, you know, in, in Illinois, you know, now I live in Arizona, but it's like, you know, you have these travel teams where it's like these kids are, you know, they're going to University of Arizona when they're 15 years old. Like, yeah. Anyways, yeah. so we're just playing in Illinois and it's a bunch of kids just having fun playing baseball. So my dad would rotate the lineups to where it was like you'd play two innings at first base, the next two innings you'd play second, the next two innings you play shortstop. So everyone was rotating around the field unless you said, hey, I don't like catching or I don't like I'm scared of pitching, like those kind of things. Right. So we we moved all over and, and maybe that was the development and the the birth of my utility. 
Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, we really appreciate, I really appreciate you. Come on. This was a lot of fun. We got, we covered a lot of things and you gave us some really good, very interesting information. Um, we wish you the best of luck with, with Oakland and we'll be following you. Um, you know, anybody who's following this program, look, look this dude up. He's a great guy to follow and root for and always has been and uh, gracious with his time today. So we appreciate it, Ryan. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on. Sorry, I become long-winded at times, but it's, it's no, it's fun to talk hey, about. Let, this is all really interesting stuff. I think um, uh, people will really enjoy it, and it fits in great with what we're doing. So we really great. appreciate it. We'll talk well, to you soon. Thank you for having me. I really, really, really appreciate it. No problem, man. Talk to you soon. All right. So that's Ryan Court, professional baseball player, Great stories, um, great detail. Loved how genuine he was about uh, all aspects of the questions that we asked him. And uh, he's been doing it a while, and he's a good person to talk to about every aspect of it with regard to the mental side, the physical side, the training side, um, the adversity along the way, the joy and uh, euphoric feeling of getting called up to the big. So, um, You'll probably write a book one day or at least be a pretty knowledgeable interview in several different areas. So really appreciate having him on. When we come back, we're going to talk to our new health and nutrition correspondent. Coming up next. Welcome back to the show. Hey, remember, you can email us at go6podcast at yahoo.com. That's go, the numeral six, podcast at yahoo.com. You can follow us on Twitter at FrozenRope8. That's at FrozenRope8. And either of those things, you can comment, you can ask questions, you can give a shout out to your team or buddies on your team or whoever. Um, and we'd love to incorporate that into the show. Also, if you're listening on the Anchor podcast or the Apple podcast, you can tap the message button and leave an audible message, and we'll incorporate that right into the show. So again, that can be the form of a shout-out to your teammates, a comment, or a question. Welcome back to Go6 Sports Radio. We were talking before uh, with a baseball player, and he mentioned about uh, how important nutrition was, and it was an underrated uh, nutrition and sleep type of thing um, as far as being an elite player goes. So we have a new segment of our show, the health and nutrition segment with our correspondent, Kelly Wasliger. Kelly, thanks for coming on. What do you got for us today? Thanks for having me, Scott. I'm really excited to be here. Um, so I've, uh, throughout my athletic career, I played division one college soccer. So throughout my career, I've 
experimented with different uh, diets and different lifestyles. Um, I've tried the Whole30, I've tried Paleo, I've tried um, Bulletproof, which is, which is a keto diet, low carb, no sugar, all of that. Um, and what I found to be the, the best one for me personally was Paleo. Um, and just because of its it's not so restrictive and it allows me more freedom. And it's kind of, to me, a little bit more clear cut than a lot of the, the other diets out there. Nice. And, and is it something that is, um, pretty easy for people to sort of, um, you know, uh, sort of start doing? Yeah, absolutely. So the whole idea behind paleo is, you know, you're eating like your ancestors, which is um, whole foods, vegetables, fruits, things that grow in the ground, um, and then and then meats that are typically grass-fed, which is a healthier option than your industrial meat. Um, but you know, I feel it's it's pretty easy to follow because you just think about what is naturally growing or naturally occurring in the world, and and that's what you would eat. Um, and so, my plate for the most part consists of uh, vegetables. So majority of it is vegetables. Um, any, any kind of vegetables, there's no counting of anything. You don't like count how many carbs you're eating or anything like that. You know, you just, you stick to uh, what grows. So my plate is mostly vegetables, um, a little bit of meat. So I'd say like a third of it is meat. And then those healthy, um, carbs, sweet potatoes, regular potatoes, depending on which philosophy of paleo you're following. Um, uh, and also, um, you know, rice on occasion, which I try to stay away from, but rice is a good thing to add into, you know, for, for a filler, but mainly just meats and vegetables. And then um, for dessert, the occasional fruit berries are low, low carb, low glycemic index, which is good as well. So typically three meals. And um, it sounds like the, the not counting is, is a benefit for sure. And the grain, the rice, for example, um, is that because of like fiber and grains? Yeah, I think again, depending on which uh, which paleo uh, philosophy you're following, they might say rice or grains. So it's not it's not technically paleo. Um, but like I said, I I kind of like it to be a little bit more flexible. So I follow the eighty twenty model, uh, meaning eighty percent of the time you're eating paleo items. Um, and 20% of the time, you know, if you can't seem to kick something, can't seem to kick a, I don't know, a craving or, or, or a bad habit, you know, 20% of the time you allow yourself to, to have those things. So in my mind, rice is one of those. Um, and so it, it, I, I like rice because it's, it's some fiber in there and it, it provides more substance. So you don't just feel like you're eating vegetables all the time. Yeah. And do you feel like it's a, so I was going to ask to, to incorporate this into your lifestyle, does somebody, is it, is it recommended or did you just start one day or do you gradually maybe, um, mix in a one meal a day like this, two meals a day, and then go fully three meals a day, or what's the best way to incorporate this into your habits of eating? Sure. I think it depends on the person. Um, so my husband, for example, would, would go with the all or nothing model because it helps him kind of stay, stay on the path. And as soon as you, you know, go off course, you kind of feel like maybe all your meals could go off course. I started with 
the either one meal a day being paleo. So I started with my breakfast being paleo um, and just had eggs with some avocado and maybe mixed in like an egg scramble. So broccoli and onions in my eggs. Um, and then I slowly but surely uh, progressed to all three meals being uh, paleo. Um, and I found that easier for me, just easier to wrap my brain around and also gave me more time to sort of do research and fi figure out what the things I could eat and what things I couldn't eat. Yeah, it makes sense. Now, are, are these kinds of eating, is this kind of eating, it's not really a diet necessarily to lose weight, right? It's more Correct. about feeling well and having energy and stuff like that. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. So I was actually going to add this um, in the beginning. I never in my decision on which, you know, sort of nutrition lifestyle, uh, when picking it, did I think about losing weight. And certainly, obviously, you want to maintain a healthy figure. And um, but my whole my whole point of or my whole decision behind doing paleo was to feel better. And I was feeling a little bit run down, a little bit low, you know, drained, low energy. And so um, I started looking into, you know, why is this? Is this because I'm tired and, and doing too much? Or is, is there something that I can control um, that's within my control that I can, you know, change to make myself feel better? Because I wasn't going to control or change the amount of work I was doing um, as a teacher. So um, this was one of those things that was within my control that I could change each day to help myself feel better. And it's of the, all the diets and lifestyles I mentioned, the one that I feel the best on. Sounds good. And does it help? How does it help with your, with regard to like sleeping, for example? Yeah. So, um, I, I ultimately, this is me personally. I feel like I sleep better. I, I feel less, um, full going to bed. So, you know, you know, throughout the night, my body is able to digest all the good things I put in it easier. Um, oddly enough, I feel like I dream more vividly, which I've, I've looked into as well. And a lot of people who are, you know, eating healthier and eating all natural products, um, have felt the same way. Um, but it just, I, I get a deeper sleep and I'm able to sleep longer and, and actually fall asleep faster, um, than when I was eating junk or the occasional junk beforehand. Yeah. And it sounds like this, um, like some other eating styles for lack of a better word, uh, will not only help maybe with sleep, but they may help with different kinds of ailments. Some people have headaches and they don't know why they have headaches a, a lot. And it may be due to sugar, maybe due to some allergies in their diet or whatever. So, um, things like this can definitely have peripheral benefits that maybe we didn't even think about, or the person, the person, uh, incorporating this kind of eating didn't even think about, right? Absolutely. I think one of the, the reasons I started this journey of finding what works best for me was I was having bad migraines. Um, and so one of the protocols on, you know, getting rid of migraines or trying to limit migraines is to start cutting things out of your diet that aren't, aren't necessarily good for you. So sugar is one of the first places people start. Caffeine is a place people start. Um, dairy is another place. Um, and so this definitely, I mean, I haven't had a migraine now and in two, three years. Um, and it could be because of all sorts of things, but I attribute a lot of it to starting, um, the paleo lifestyle and a lot of people, you know, reap benefits, uh, you know, less acne and, um, 
you know, less anxiety. Um, so even mental health plays into this as well. And so I think food is our is our best medicine. Um, and and I I follow the paleo diet because the foods we're eating here are all natural. And so that makes the most sense to me. Yeah, that's exciting for us because having you on occasionally to talk about these kinds of things will be super beneficial to people and it'll round out the content on our podcast really well. Uh, where can somebody, what's the best w- way to get started in this or read a little bit more about it? Google something or is there anything specific book or website that you would recommend? Uh, so someone I follow um, pretty consistently is someone named Dr. Mark Hyman. And he's a big functional medicine doctor, um, and he's a, he's a fan of paleo and paleo-like uh, lifestyle. And so he has a lot of, on his Instagram, um, and he has, a, he has a website and several books out there. Like, one of the books is called What the Heck Should I Eat? And it's just a very clear cut, like, here's what's good for you, here's what's good for the environment. And that's a whole other segment. We can go on to our food system and how it plays into our environment. And, um, but he's, a, he's an awesome resource. I also just occasionally uh, Google, you know, best paleo recipe. So if I'm, if I'm making, you know, a peanut, uh, peanut butter cookies or some sort of dessert, I will, I'll Google paleo peanut butter cookies. And so there are all sorts of blogs out there with people putting out um, really good ideas. Yeah, that's great. And, and that's just an example of how you don't have to be super, super strict and you can still have some things that you enjoy and, uh, you know, make them in a paleo way uh, with a paleo recipe. So that's all really good stuff. Really appreciate it, Kelly. This is going to be fun. You did a good job. Um, can't wait to have you on again. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. It's a good it's a good way for people to you know, have an option, have some options to make them feel better without having to take medicine, go to the doctor. And, you know, with uh, one of these kind of lifestyle changes, as far as eating goes, uh, there's a lot of hope for a lot of people. So we appreciate you. We appreciate you. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye. Now it's time for our segment, Major League Baseball Talk, conversation and commentary about the league where they play for pay. So there's been more talk with regard to the start of the season. Uh, Two or three days ago, it looked like we were getting further away from a season and maybe not even have a season. Um, Now yesterday I'm hearing that the players and owners are coming uh, a little bit closer together. Everybody wants baseball. So, uh, you know, they started out with an 82 game schedule they were proposing. Then they went to 118 game schedule, then back to 50. I think they're going to end up back in the middle again, uh, at, for an 82 game schedule. So I think that puts the players in the best position if they prorate their salaries, and I am on the side of the owners. I know that the players want the most money they can get and don't want to give in to the owners. But listen, there's a lot going on in our country today. There's a lot going on in the world. You have the coronavirus and now you have the 
civil unrest that we're experiencing, the unfortunate, tragic, terrible civil unrest that we are experiencing recently. I think the players can sacrifice for the sake of everyone else. Servant leadership, give us the game of baseball back. Wear it a little bit. Eat some salary. Put everybody in a good frame of mind. David Price did that. David Price did that when he donated a lot of money to pay for minor league ball players. I mean, many professional athletes have done it when they have paid to play, uh, when they have paid uh, and donated money so they could um, help the staff members of the arenas and stadiums that are out of work because there's no sports. I mean, come on, baseball players. If you take a big pay cut, the lowest salary in the league is still going to make a couple hundred thousand dollars easily, if not more. And the big guys are still going to make millions. So servant leadership, players, help everyone out here. Give us live baseball back. Give us America's pastime back. Give us teams that are diverse, that love each other in the locker room. And that's what sports does. You know, sports has many, most teams are very diverse. And these guys are all brothers in the locker room. We need that kind of an example back out on the field, back out in stadiums, so the rest of the world can see how people from different backgrounds interact like their family and brothers for a common cause. Baseball players, attention baseball players, servant leadership, let's get back at it. Give up some salary. That's Major League Baseball Talk. So the playlist song of the week is a song that I suggest every week that you add to your playlist. One thing that I always mention is that because of copyright restrictions, we can't actually play the song on the podcast. But I usually find it to be an inspiring song. I'll come across it wherever, on the radio, in a video game, in a commercial, something like that. And it's usually something that is either meaningful or really upbeat and fun and I suggest that you Google it and add it to your playlist. So this week's playlist song of the week is by a band called Fitz and the Tantrums. They're a Los Angeles-based sort of pop band that is soul-influenced, particularly by James Brown. They've put out several albums since 2008, and you should check them out. But the most popular song you might remember came in 2016. It was called Hand Clap, and that became really popular throughout the country and throughout playlists and the Billboard Top 100, etc. This song is I Just Want to Shine by Fitz and the Tantrums. Google it, add it to your playlist, and enjoy. That's the playlist song of the week. So that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening wherever you are. Please tell somebody else about the podcast so we can continue to grow. Stay tuned because we'll continue to do our short special edition podcasts in between the weekly podcasts. So I'm going to keep at it. Try to get 1% better 
and can't wait to be with you next time.